you can do 16 of those. Yes, you're a great athlete. I'm clutch. I'm clutch, Shazier. Yak. Yeah. We are talking about yak. Right, right. So I, Yards after catch. All right, listen. Caveat emptor. Go draft them then, Chicago Bears. Ryan Shazier with his opinions on how much booze you should ingest while seated on your bum versus standing and walking around. All right, I've got good news and bad news, Shazier. The bad news first. Football season is almost over. The good news, I said almost. We have 60 more minutes, maybe some minutes beyond that, to settle all the hash of this past pro football season. Yeah, with that being said, I'm also sad to hear that this is our last episode for this football season. But I'll give you reasons why I think that the Chiefs are going to win the Super Bowl. Oh, the Kansas City Chiefs, I assume you're talking about. Consider my interest peaked. I'm Dave Damashek. From Wondery, I'm Ryan Shazier, and this is Gridiron Gut Check. matchup between your two favorite teams and you're at the game getting the most from what it means to be here with American Express. You breeze through the card member entrance, stop by the lounge. Now it's almost tip off and everyone's already on their feet. This is gonna be good. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your live sports experience at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Eligible American Express card required. Benefits vary by card and by venue. Terms apply. Whether you're shipping 100 packages a month or thousands, ShipStation lets you automate routine shipping tasks and easily handle returns. Manage orders, print labels, compare rates, optimize every shipment, and automate delivery notifications with ShipStation's easy-to-use dashboard. Plus, you can access industry-leading discounted rates from USPS, UPS, DHL, and Global Post with discounts up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. Over 130,000 companies have grown their e-commerce businesses with ShipStation. And 98% of companies that stick with ShipStation for a year become customers for life. Optimize and keep up your momentum for growth with ShipStation. Use promo code WONDERY today at ShipStation.com to sign up for your free 60-day trial. That's ShipStation.com promo code WONDERY. Yes, welcome to Gridiron Gut Check. I'm talking ball with Steelers icon, two-time Pro Bowler Ryan Shazier. One game left in this NFL season. One final episode of Gut Check. 5-0, you ready to give my takes a gut check from a player's POV? Yes, sir. All right, let's do it then. It's the Chiefs. It's the Niners. They're going to face off in the Super Bowl, as everybody knows, for the second time in four years. But this time, we're getting the unlikely matchup between the young goat or baby goat or whatever you want to call him, Pat Mahomes and Mr. Irrelevant Brock Purdy. No one can doubt that number 15 with the ball in his hands and the game on the line, but... I also trust Shanahan and Purdy and this Niners offense to stay cool under pressure and win the big game. I know you just said you're on Kansas City side. So how do you respond to what we've seen from this Niners team and what a machine they've been for the vast majority of this regular and postseason? So to me, when it comes to football, when it comes to sports, when it comes to just 
ball in general, especially championship caliber situations, I always go with what have you shown me lately? Who are you lately? What have you shown me last? And the 49ers, when I watched them play ball, everybody would say, man, this dynamic defense, they have all these weapons all over the field. They have all these all pro players. But when you really watch them play, especially in the playoffs, they weren't, they barely beat Green Bay. They were down 17 to the Lions. And I know the Lions have one of the best offenses in football, but they didn't seem like a team that is world beaters. They seem like a team that they feel like they're the big brother to everybody and we're just going to eventually beat you. But when you look at the Kansas City Chiefs, they had to go against everybody that they thought that could beat them. They went against the Miami Dolphins, who had one of the most high-power offenses this season. And obviously the Dolphins had to go into negative 13-degree weather to to play the Chiefs, but the Chiefs ended up winning that game. Then the Chiefs had to go on the road and play the Buffalo Bills. And people said that Mahomes and the Chiefs couldn't win on the road. And they did that versus their rival. I can't call it rival because at the end of the day, they find a way to beat the Bills every time it's important. They go to Buffalo, beat Josh Allen in his own home turf. And then they also change it up, causing them to run the ball. Let me, they're running the ball a little bit more. Their defense doesn't allow any big plays. And then they go against the number one team in the NFL in Baltimore, where everybody thought this is Lamar Jackson's time to shine. And then Patrick Mahomes does what Patrick Mahomes does. They take the lead and they figure out how to get the win, and they figure out how to get to the Super Bowl once again. And when I look at both of these teams, to me, the Kansas City Chiefs seem like the team that is more poised to win a championship. they already been here before and won a championship, and they're not looking like a team that's leaking their way to the championship. They look like a team that's prominent and ready to win. They're not they're not the heavy favorites based off of just the players that they have. They're, they're To me, I think they're going to win based off of the outcome that they've been performing on every single week. Well, in fact, you say favored, um, whether this surprises you or not, it's the Niners who are the slight favorites at the time of this recording. The Niners are favored and, based off of the, the players that they have, not how they're not how they've been performing. That's what I mean. Well, it's, I mean, the irony, of course, is that the team that's got Mr. Irrelevant on it is favored to beat the aforementioned GOAT, who is on this heater that he's on, where he's always playing in big games and generally coming out on top. And it's hard to sort of, I hear what you're saying about getting hot at the right time. This is one of the things we talk about all the time in not just football, but in all of sports. If you get on the heater right at the end of the regular season and can ride that through the postseason, good on you. I look at the body of work of the Niners, though. And from week one on, they were on a mission. The question, if you go all the way back to the preseason and the offseason was, is Purdy's elbow slash shoulder and the injury that he got against the Eagles, is that going to be okay in time for the regular season? We saw in Pittsburgh in week one, it was and how, and they really did establish themselves not just as a good team, but as a juggernaut. They had that three-week swoon in the middle of the season when, not coincidentally, some big stars on the offensive side were down for them. And then they returned to housing the teams that at the time you figured were going to be the likeliest rivals to getting in their way of a Super Bowl trip, namely the Eagles and Cowboys. They destructed um, the, uh, the both of those teams. Um, the, the, the weird result to me 
that trips me up where the Niners are concerned isn't the loss to the Ravens. It was the manner in which they lost to, to the Ravens. They got destroyed. That is one of the two top five defenses that Brock Purdy and the Niners have seen all season, and they struggled against them. That's a red flag for obvious reasons. I don't think that this is a... Uh, video game point total. I think both teams have really good defenses, and I think scoring is going to be lower than what the bookmakers and otherwise are. Really good defenses. I don't know about that. To answer what your concerns are about the Niners, which are completely valid, I think putting your feet up for three or four weeks with Brock Purdy, who isn't steeped in experience in pro football, and beyond just him, you saw the result of what you often see with these number one seeds. You want to rest and be as as uh, healthy as possible. Also, there is maybe a little bit of shaking the rust off. I think against the Packers, they were in a spot that they were supposed to win, and, and maybe that got the better of them and specifically Brock Purdy. Against the Lions, though, they negated, did the offensive line of the Lions negated the pass rush of the Niners. I don't think that this Chiefs O-line is structured to do the same thing. I think Bosa and company can get to and will get to Mahomes, and that's a major factor, and that's why I am ever so slightly on the Niners. But they haven't been around since Chase Young has been traded to the team like the week the the week or the the first two three weeks when Chase Young got traded to the 49ers that's when everybody's like oh this pass rush is getting out to everybody but th- I think that was also against a uh, a team I can't remember the t- it wasn't it wasn't uh, it wasn't uh, commanders but when they had about seven or eight sacks but it was a versus a team that doesn't have a great pass I mean a great O-line and then they haven't done anything like that since that week and they haven't been doing anything like that this whole playoffs. So I just I just don't think that they're going to be able to turn the switch on when it's the Super Bowl now, especially because they don't have a lot of players that's been there in that moment. Nick Bosa, yes. Fred Warner, yes. They're the central guys I would I I would point to as as coincidentally or otherwise your two biggest stars and and most essential in this Niners defense, but like you say, Bosa, Warner, Chase Young, big splash. Although at the time the trade went down, there wasn't a lot of attention paid to it. It was very weird how it kind of sort of slipped under the cracks just as well because he has not been great since he got to San Francisco, which is very strange. Look underneath those numbers that the Niners defense, and they are a top five defense and all of that over the course of the season. Like you say, though, they are not a they are not. They at least in the two games they've played have not been a unit of great strength on the NFC side of things, and that's without having to play number fifteen on the other side. Your your assumption your assumption is that the Chiefs defense is outshine maybe by Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey, but is at least as good. Or I don't want to put words in your mouth. The matchup of the Chiefs defense against Brock Purdy is more favorable to KC than the matchup of the Niners defense against Mahomes is. Is that accurate? I think that's accurate as well. But then when you just think about what Kansas City defense has done this whole season throughout the year, they lead the NFL in big plays not giving up. But then also they're one of the top three defenses in the NFL, pass and rush. They don't allow you to do what you want to do. When it comes to the when they have all pros at the at this in the some in the secondary with uh 
McDuffie, but then you still have Chris Jones who's getting after the passer. You know, you have Nick Bolton. Uh, is, is Nick Bolton still healthy? Is, is he going to be healthy for this game? Yeah, I think uh, I, I think pretty much uh, it's going to be to- uh, Joe Tooney's going to be down. It sounds like Kadarius um, uh, Tony's going to be down. And uh, is that the extent of the injuries? I think it might be. When you think about when they have this whole defense together, Man, the Chiefs' defense is is one to be reckoned with. You have uh, Kalathis, who's been playing really good ball as well. So they they don't get a lot of the shine because everybody thinks all oh, this wonderful offense in Kansas City and Patrick Mahomes, but their defense is what's been leading the charge on a consistent basis. And Patrick Mahomes and this offense has been they've been making plays when they need to be made, but they're not making plays every single possession like the old, the, the, the 2022 team. This team is more of a man, take it slow. I mean, 2021 team, take it slow, figure things out, and then they're going to make things happen. While on the defensive side of the ball, they're not allowing you to do what you want to do. The, the, the Baltimore Ravens was one of the best offenses in the NFL, and they couldn't even move the ball versus the Kansas City Chiefs. So, But when the 49ers they 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 let up a lot of points when they've been playing because they understand how dynamic that their offense is. And to me, I think this is good on good when you think about the the offense of the 49ers and the defense of the Chiefs. To me, is you know, to me, Patrick Mahomes in his offense, they might not be better, but I feel like they end up having a better player when they end up going against the 49ers defense. And I think that's what's going to make the difference. Yeah, I hear you. I mean, specifically against that uh, KC defense, I imagine that Kyle Shanahan and CMC and the rest of them are going to be able to get it going a little bit on the ground. I think that's what they, in fact, they definitely are going to need to do for the reasons that you already said about how good the Chiefs pasty has been um, and how perfect and the pass offense has struggled against some high-end units over the course of the season and even in the, the month of January. The Chiefs have made a lot of hay off the Mahomes-Kelsey combo, and Isaiah Pacheco has given them a steady ground game. But someone else on the Chiefs' offense needs to have a moment in order for them to win the game. We know that the drops were an issue all season long until the playoffs arrived. So who is it that's going to step up and give the Chiefs an edge, if anybody? Obviously, you're taking Kansas City here. Is it enough for Kelsey to meet his typical playoff standard, which is high? Mahomes to do the same. Pacheco has been a big factor in these playoff games the last couple of years. Is that enough to lean on that core or does someone else have to rise up? Are you asking somebody to have a caliber like, oh, this guy might win MVP type of game? Or you're saying like, hey, this guy just needs to make big plays when they need them? I would define it by a guy who has you know, one of his two or three best games of the season. You know, we know what his handicap is. He's a 10 handicap, but he's got to play like a five handicap on this day in order to win. The reason I say that, because if you think about last year's Super Bowl, guys who made plays were Scott Moore, Kadarius Toney, right? The plays that they made weren't, Oh man, like these are world beaters, but they play. Those no, but Sky Moore, but that what, but to my point, 
Sky Moore got his first ever touchdown. That was a, an unusual performance by his standard going into that game. Who, by his own standard, must exceed that in order for the Chiefs to thrive? To me, I think it's just a collective group of the guys. When you think about it, because if 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 the Chiefs have Kadarius Tony make a, a far run on a punt return like he did last year, not score a touchdown, but just make one big play when they need it. Or uh, Valdez Scantley make one big catch for 45 yards or 50 yards when they need it. That's what I think that the Chiefs need. I don't think that they need somebody that have a James White type of game, score three touchdowns, four touchdowns, and they're like, oh man, he should be the MVP, not Tom Brady. I don't think that they need a guy to do that. I think they just need a guy that when the ball comes his way, he makes one man miss. And instead of him making a 12 yard catch, now that's a 50 yard catch. If, if they get those type of plays from two other guys, then Travis Kelsey and Pacheco, I think the Kansas City Chiefs win this game because I think the defense is going to do a lot better job because the defense, when you think about it, they went against all the top rushing teams in the NFL in the playoffs, the Miami Dolphins, the Buffalo Bills. Then they went against the Ravens. That's all that is preparing you for the 49ers. So when it comes to, to, when it comes to that, I don't think that the Chiefs need to do too much. I just think that the guys like Valdez Scanley make a big catch at the end of the game like he did last week, I mean, two weeks ago versus the Ravens. That wasn't a, a, a world beater play, but he just made the play that he needed to make. He did his job. When Pat needed a little bit of time, he just threw the ball up. Valdez, just, just catch the ball. All I need you is catch the ball. And that's the type of situations that I think that's going to get the Kansas City Chiefs this win. So when it comes to the 49ers, Chris McCaffrey is going to have to get the ball. He's going to have to run the ball well. Debo Samuel is going to have to play well. Like their big time players are going to have to play well. Not somebody else coming up with a like a surprise play. Somebody else coming up with a surprise play will be like Chase Young causing a strip sack on Patrick Mahomes. That's going to be to me. I feel that that's the way that the 49ers win. If you know, Chase Young makes a play. Hargrave makes a play. Somebody does something that causes the game to get out of hand for the Kansas City Chiefs. And now they're trying to play a bunch of catch up. But if, if this game is, is very in order, Patrick Mahomes not turning the ball over, the 49ers not, not winning this game. I think that specifically that there was a little bit of a mirage. Number 87 for the Chiefs had a monster game, a legendary game in front of uh, Taylor Swift and the rest of Football America against the Ravens. It surprised me given the pieces, specifically Kyle Hamilton, Roquan Smith, and Patrick Queen for the Baltimore defense. I don't think the Niners are going to get got by 87. I think they have the ability, they have the pieces to more or less take him away. It's going to have to be somebody else on that offense catching the pass for the Chiefs offense to thrive. Now, let's put this broader thing into perspective for Casey. This weekend is the crowning event of the whole season. The reason why we play the games, the Chiefs have a chance to be the first team to repeat since the Patriots way back in aught four and aught five. And the Niners are, I mean, by the way, aught five, February, of course, in uh, February of aught six, the Pittsburgh Steelers return to their rightful place namely atop the football universe. However, the Niners are back after facing the Chiefs four years ago. What can other teams glean from these two Super Bowl combatants 
who made it here this year. We always call it a copycat league for good reason. What do you think the other 30 teams are looking at and saying, we need to do that between now and the start of 2024? So the one thing that's really actually interesting about both of these teams is that they took totally different approaches. So if you want to take the 49ers approach, when when building a team is like build all these superstar role players and work your way up and get a serviceable guy at quarterback that understands the system that that is a very sustainable uh, way to play ball but they haven't won a championship like that but they've been to multiple like that so if you think about if Brock Purdy doesn't work another way that they can keep this train rolling keep all these wonderful guys and Keep bringing in service or quarterbacks. And then if you find the right one that can win you a championship. Well, when you think about the Kansas City approach, they took more of the Green Bay Packer, the Baltimore Raven, the Steeler approach when it came to getting the guy that you want at quarterback and building everything else around it. Obviously they traded up in the drive for him, but they, they built this team around the main pieces that they needed. Pacheco, the draft. Travis Kelsey, the draft. Mahomes, the draft. When you think about the receivers that they have, you know, Rasheed Rice, the draft. Kaloftis, Chris Jones, draft. Obviously, you got uh, uh, Sneed in the trade, but that's like one piece. But you think about Bolden, you think about Justin Reed, he obviously came in a trade, I mean, uh, in free agency, but it's like they understood how to build a team throughout the, dra- the draft and then add key pieces in here or there. So it's just kind of what approach you want to take. If you want to get all these superstars, but you might not have to pay the quarterback as much, that's the 49er approach. And it works well. They're always in the mix because they have the players to be in the mix. But you can also take the Kansas City approach. But if you take the Kansas City approach, you have to hit on the quarterback. So it's just, I think teams are constantly looking like, hey, which approach I want to take? Because with the 49er approach, you can take that approach, but if your guy turns into that guy and he wins you that Super Bowl, now you have to pay him. And now you have to pay Brock Purdy and it's going to disfranchise all of that, all of that trading for players and pieces. But if you end up you know, not winning and then finding another guy that can fill that role, I think you can keep it sustaining a lot a, a lot longer. I, I mean, I think a big takeaway should be as good as Brandon Ayuk is, um, you know, Debo Samuel is an unorthodox sort of cat. He presents as a guy who's this hybrid, almost running back. He's so physical and everything else. So he doesn't at least um, fill the personification of, you know, what classic 1A, you know, 1 or 1A receiver. And of course, for all the hand-wringing about the bad hands of the Kansas City Chiefs wide receivers this year, they are still in the Super Bowl. And I think that if you look at the entire millennium, there's very little evidence for all the attention and commercials and money that those guys get. Randy Moss never won a Super Bowl. Terrell Owens, Antonio Brown got one late, not in his prime. Calvin Johnson never got close. And so the list goes. Only only Cooper Cup and um, uh, Tyree Kill, among prominent pass catchers, have won a Lombardi. The point is that it is not an essential piece to have if you want to make a Super Bowl run. The Chiefs have proven it, and now so too have the Niners, as have the majority of teams that get to and win Super Bowls. I think that's something to take away with the obsession about a pass catcher. Obviously, a team like the Patriots is so desperate and so uh, and the cupboard is completely bare there. I don't. I'm not saying go completely extreme and ignore the position, but I think 
it has gotten to a place of fungibility, which is to say that uh, the opposite of what I claim about gold. Gold is valuable because it is rare. It's precious. Now, the college game provides a heap of good pass catchers every year. It's one of those positions now. I don't think you need to reach to get a wide receiver. You see the Niners and Chiefs not doing that, and you look at where they are. If I asked you how many subscriptions you have, would you be able to list all of them and how much you're paying? If you would have asked me this question before I started using Rocket Money, I would have said yes, but let me tell you, I would have been so wrong. I can't believe how many I had and all the money I was wasting. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over 500 million in canceled subscriptions. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. That's rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. Rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Bite.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Bite. All right, you know what, Chazier? Let's get to some quick hitters here. It's time to roll out the nickel package. All right, here we go. Five questions, five quick answers. Five O, are you ready? Yes, sir. All right, let's do it. The Baltimore Ravens defensive coordinator, Mike McDonald, is out. He's no longer the Ravens defensive coordinator. No, he's now the head coach of the Seattle Seahawks. He will be replaced by former linebacker Zach Orr. Shazier, I know this is close to your heart, but what is it about playing that particular position that could make Orr shine in this new role for him? To me, when it comes to calling a defense, a lot of the linebackers in general have to understand defenses. Well, I know when I played for the Pittsburgh Steelers, I had to understand the defense in and out. I had to understand what checks were, what uh, situations that the head coach wanted the defense to be in. So when it comes to playing that position, then transitioning to a, a coach, I wouldn't say it's relatively easy, but you already are kind of doing that at that position. Some coaches give you a little bit more free will if they understand that you can handle that responsibility. I mean, some coaches don't, but the fact that the the calls are coming through your headset, you're setting everybody up, you're telling everybody where to go, you're telling everybody where their job is. To me, I feel like that's just instead of actually somebody else telling you what to do, and you and and it's multiple times during throughout the play, the coaches already trust you to tell everybody what to do. Now it's just 
you doing the same job, but just you're not actually getting able to play the play out. So I, that's why I think that linebackers have been becoming really good defensive coordinators because they've been in the action. They understand what it's like to be uh, pressured in those calls and to have those moments. So I wouldn't be surprised if he does a good job trying to follow up that historic uh, defensive coordinator. Well, I'll tell you what, I, I I do think, I mean, you'd need to look no further than the last six or seven years of the Pittsburgh Steelers and how coveted the position of inside linebacker and Ryan Shazier since he went away the Steelers have been chasing a replacement there with uh, mixed to poor results look at the teams in the Super Bowl this year look at the Buffalo Bills look at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Bills what they have at inside middle linebacker Baltimore as well and the difference it makes it has become I remember two three years ago there was some buzz that in terms of draft position that you don't go inside linebacker and round one. I think it has reve- been revealed now clearly as an essential position to get right. Yeah, me and my me and my friend actually argued about that. Uh, it, it, so it, it was it was crazy because it would be like one and then it would like a skip a year, then it will be one and then skip a year. You know, so like they don't always draft them in the first round, but it's like you might skip a year or two years and then you'll draft them again and then skip them a year or two years and then draft them again. It's just I, it's, I think you just have to hit on the right guys. Yeah, that's right. Um, as a player, how do you feel about Caleb Williams trying to force his way out of Washington? And I'm getting a lot of pushback on this from Bears fans who say, he never said that. I think if you're reading the tea leaves, it's fairly clear that the Washington, D.C. kid would like to play in Washington, D.C., and not just because of his past relationship with Cliff Kingsbury, and not just because he doesn't like the Bears or is spooked by that situation. Perhaps it's a collection of all those things. Either way, why in the world would any team buy... First of all, so what do you think about Caleb and what he's trying to do here? And what is it about Cliff Kingsbury that makes so many teams not just want to get him, but that he gets to write his own ticket? He did it in Arizona. He was going to go to the Raiders. They're like, no, no, I can go to D.C. and coach this guy. And Dan Quinn's like, oh, yes, you're the one guy I would most want to do this, given the complete lack of success in pro football. What gives here? He knows a lot of people. Then he's also been able to be connected to some great quarterbacks. He's connected to Patrick Mahomes. Now he's connected to Caleb Williams. And if anybody is a smart person and they feel that Caleb can be anything relatively close to Patrick Mahomes, obviously they're going to want coaches that have a good relationship with those guys. To me, I don't feel that he deserves this type of success because when you think about what he did in college, when you think about what he did at Arizona, even when you think about what he did at USC, Caleb numbers were down this year compared to his other years. But if you think that he can come make a difference and allow your team to be successful on the offensive side of the ball, I heard that he's a really hard worker. I heard that he's a guy that's going to push the limits and try to do what he can to get guys open. He just didn't lead Arizona well. So to me, if he, if he can do that, allow Dan and Dan Quinn can just lead his team in the right direction. You know, that's good for him. But when on the Caleb side of things, obviously every player wants to go where they want to go. But when you have that type of leverage and you can go where you want to go, as a player, I would say use it. As a, as a franchise, I know that can be very frustrating because you're guaranteed that one spot and then you end up wanting the best player. But 
A lot of times you see franchises that keep players that don't want to end up being there. It's rarely you win championships. I don't think I ever seen a player that was like, I don't want to be here, got franchise tagged, and then end up winning a championship. Yeah, it's a great point. I, 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 the, the ignorance of what the player wants. All right, listen, caveat emptor, go draft them then, Chicago Bears. And the fans apparently, based on the reaction that I'm seeing in the last couple of weeks, will be enthused. But what happens if Caleb Williams says, I told you I didn't want to play there and then threatens to sit out and does threaten and does sit out training camp. It's a bad look and it's beyond just a bad look. It could spell the end of Eberflus and beyond. I, I, I do not think it's a small matter if, in fact, between now and the draft, the kid says, OK, let me just lay it out for you as clearly as I can. I want to go to my hometown. I think the Bears should try to accommodate them, not to be nice guys to him, but for their own sake. It's a bad look to bring in a guy who doesn't want to be there. It'll be hard to to sell tickets off of that. I just don't understand the, the aspect of I understand sitting out of college. Right. I don't want to sit. I don't want to play the, like taking the Michael Parsons route or taking the Leonard Fournette route. OK, cool. But I don't understand the route of, all right, I'll just sit out this year because I just don't want to play for you. To me, that still doesn't make sense because you you are a good player. But then now people are going to think you're a selfish player. Then also when it comes to you missing a whole year of football, you're not going to be able to get better. You know, you're not going to be able to look at defenses. And then you're going to go to free agency like, what do you think your market is going to be? I agree. It's a dangerous gamble on both sides. And um, but but ultimately, as I say, I think the Bears should have the dignity to avoid this and look. And and by the way, with the first overall pick, they should call Washington on their desire to get Caleb Williams and require even further assets. They already are loaded up in the draft and in terms of free agency loot are the Bears. I would say take the 1A kid, force Washington to give up something even more and be that much better for it. And by the way, as we transition into the next thing, assuming that it is Caleb Williams or Jaden Daniels or Drake May for the Bears, however that cookie crumbles, I think that they are going to move on from Justin Fields, and I think that's the smart thing to do. I also think it directly impacts our Pittsburgh Steelers, because if Justin Fields is in fact on the block, as I suspect he should be and will be, there will be interest from the Steelers. The question is, who do you want to be the quarterback in 2024? Kenny Pickett is the one guy on the roster who I think will be there through free agency because I don't think Mason Rudolph, I mean, I don't think Mitchell Trubisky sticks around. I think he'll get cut. I think the Steelers will try to keep Mason Rudolph, but whether or not someone else gives him more money or a better situation, that could drag him away. I want to ask you a question. Like, this is kind of a still a question, but kind of not. Do you think anybody else is going to Mitch pick up Mitch Trubisky? Great question. I mean, it depends what you want him for because he flopped miserably in the backup role. I mean, you know, if, if there weren't the evidence of the third stringer, Mason Rudolph, going in after Trubisky fell on his face and Rudolph thriving, um, maybe Trubisky could be salvaged. But that's a great question. I don't know uh, unless you need just straight up some depth of a guy who's been around an NFL situation and can learn a playbook and all of those kind of rudimentary things. I can't imagine what desire anybody would have to bring Mitchell Trubisky into their team. So no, but to answer the question, 
who should be the Steelers quarterback in 2024. And so in my honest opinion, I think the best quarterbacks for the Steelers, if we're trying to win a Super Bowl in 2024, not if we're trying... I think they will be. No, I think they're going to try to. So if they're trying to win a Super Bowl in 2024, in my honest opinion, I think that they should try to get either... Justin Fields with like a second or third round draft pick. I don't think they're going to trade a first round for him. Or, or, or somebody like Kirk Cousins, where you might give him a lot of money because we don't have to pay a lot of people right now. And then have Kirk Cousins still have some good draft picks. We could draft the receiver. We could draft the old lineman, still have a nice pieces there and then try to work on the defense a little bit there. But in, in my honest opinion, we don't have much places that we actually need to fill on the offensive side. If we want to draft another receiver just to have a plethora of receivers, yeah, but I think we might need another cornerback. We need some more old linemen, but uh, we need another linebacker. Uh, we need another safety. So it just, or, you know, so to me, in my honest opinion, we're going to eventually have to get somebody to, to un, like learn Cam Hayward's role and take his spot after he, he's, he's going to retire soon. Um, I'm not saying that because I talked to him about it or anything like that. It's just, you know, Cam's getting to the age where he's probably going to retire soon. Yeah, it seems that he's more or less indicated. I would, I, I'd be surprised at this point based on the talk around him and where I would be surprised if he's, even playing in 2025 it sounds like he wants to you know t- wants to try to do something special but he understands where his body is at the, this point so in my honest opinion i think the best chance of winning but and i think the most sense for a team like us kirk cousins is a guy that george pickens will be a top five receiver if kirk cousins is our quarterback then we patrick firemuth will probably be a t- top five tight end we're going to be able to run the ball well the, the 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 one thing is just the O line has gotten better. We can also still get a, uh, another O line piece or inside or a linebacker piece or whatever piece we need. And I think that that team can actually make a push for a Super Bowl next year with that. I also did think they can do the same thing with Justin Fields. It just the offense will look a little bit different than it will with Kirk Cousins. I don't think that we can win a Super Bowl right now with the way that Kenny Pickett played football last year. Yeah, it's hard to make uh, to make that case. I think one way or the other, though, you see that there's no reasonable path short of moving heaven and earth to get up to get Jaden Daniels or Drake May at the top of this draft. And, uh, you know, not to be a pessimist, but the 2025 draft uh, prospects are probably not as juicy as this group is this year. So it is what it's going to be in a conference of heavyweight QBs, Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson, Joe Burrow, and obviously Patrick Mahomes. The Steelers are going to have to win it a different way. And I'm going to stand by what I said before this season. They're building towards bully ball. I think in 2024, that's going to be their path. That uh, speaks to why they hired Arthur Smith too. And as far as that goes, last one for you, Le'Veon Bell has teased an NFL comeback. And he says, there's only one team he wants to come back to. That team is, of course, the New York Jets. No, it's the Pittsburgh Steelers, I'm assuming. What is this all about? Playing for the Steelers and Coach Tomlin that's so special from a player's POV, especially from a guy who kind of insinuated he didn't love being in Pittsburgh the last time we saw him wearing the black and gold. It wasn't that he didn't love being in Pittsburgh. He just wanted his money. Yeah. So he didn't love it as much as he loved the green. First of all, that's one of the things that a lot of people get confused is that sometimes people want their money and that doesn't mean that they don't like where they're at. It's just they just want to get paid. When it comes to Le'Veon, Le'Veon was one of the best running backs I ever played. 
if not the best running back, in my honest opinion, I don't care what nobody else says, is if if not the best running back I played against in the time that I played against. You know, like because Adrian Peterson. I thought you said best of all time, and then I was going to take issue. No, with no, no, you. no, okay, no, no. best one you played against in college. Yeah. No, okay. no, not even in college. Just like even practicing against, like just like oh, you know, okay. like because he lost that weight and he really yeah, became, he became a, a, a different level runner. Right, right. So like Ezekiel Elliott. The dog, Le'Veon was a dog, you know, and, and even practicing against Le'Veon and just what he can do. Le'Veon, if he came back to the Steelers, he can definitely bring another caliber of like uh, a player to the Steelers that they don't have right now because Le'Veon can be like a Debo Samuels, not running routes like he's he's not fast enough to run Debo Samuel routes, but I mean like a guy that can run routes, get up, get open, and is a running back in the in the middle of the field. Yeah. Yeah, we are talking about yak. Right, right. So I, yards after catch. I feel like he does that better than Jalen, and he does that better than Najee. So like that would be that would be a bonus for the Steelers. But when it comes to talking to a 32 year old running back, is it, man, that's that's and then saying that you're gonna be better than you ever were, man, that's that's tough. It's not a lot of 32 year old running backs that bounce back after missing two years in the league. It would be great to see Le'Veon in the, in that black and gold again. It would be great to see him in that caliber of ball. But I just don't see Le'Veon being our running back, especially because of his style of running. We Our O-line doesn't block like that how they used to. Our O-line wants somebody that gets downhill right now, and Le'Veon doesn't run that way. So I feel Le'Veon will be more like an H-back, Debo Samuels type of back for us than a true downhill running back because we have Jalen Warren who's getting down in a heartbeat. He's a one cut back immediately. Then you have Najee who's a little bit more patient and Le'Veon is even more patient than Najee. So to me, I think not, I think Le'Veon's a wonderful back. I think he would, he can add value to the Pittsburgh Steelers, but I just don't see how often he would get the ball and I just don't know how much he would want. And I know the city of Pittsburgh would appreciate him back though. I think you assume a great deal. Uh, maybe his teammates would. There would be a lot, lot of raw feelings, especially given the way he left and the Foxborough AFC title game and all the rest of it. All right, let's move on from there, though. Um, shout out to on Twitter, uh, a guy named at Bucko Clap um, sent me his journey. He lost in fantasy football. Um, I guess he came in last place. And so he had to go and spend the baseline was 24 hours in Primanti Brothers. Now, of course, this is the place with the French fries and coleslaw and the sandwiches, famous Pittsburgh place, Iron City Beer is famous as well. So 24 hours, but every Iron City consumed takes an hour off. Every sandwich consumed takes another hour off. What's the right equation here for I, you, you don't like your beer, so we'll take out the irons. Well, well you don't got to pump no irons. You go take drink the tequila instead. How long would it take you to escape? So, hour off for every sandwich and drink. I'm all supportive of Iron City beer. I'm all supportive of Iron City beer, and I'm all supportive of Permanis. To me, I'm not a big fan of coleslaw. So I can't have coleslaw on my sandwiches. It doesn't have any mayonnaise, you understand. It's the nice vinegar-based slaw. No, no, I just don't like coleslaw. I don't like coleslaw at all. I just don't like it. So if I can have coleslaw without that, so I can, I can, I can take tequila all day. So if, so if I have, I can take about 10, 10 shots of tequila. Okay. So that's 14 hours now. 
Now, yeah, but you got to do the math, you understand. You're not going to do 10 tequila shots in your first hour because you still, so you I, could, still I, I, I could probably do, I could probably, the thing is, if I'm like walking around, if I'm like walking around, I could, I could probably take more than 10. I could probably take like 12. All right, but you're not walking around. I can't, you have limited I, space there in Promanthes on the street. I can't sit down. I can't just be sitting down. So I could probably get twelve. Okay. I could probably get twelve and three, three or four sandwiches. Since you asked, I would eat sixteen capicola and um, pastrami sandwiches, and then just whatever else is left over. I would just have to drink those in beers. I'd be out of there in about ninety minutes, probably, probably two hours. You're tops. not eating sixteen two sandwiches in two, two hours. You don't know what I can do. You don't understand. Yes, you're a great athlete. I'm clutch. I'm clutch, Shazier. What is in a sandwich? Your choice of beautiful deli meats grilled up on the on the uh, on the delicious, the flavored by decades and decades of previous um, cold cuts thrown on there and heated up, and then you get the nice thick cut fries, and you get the vinegar based slaw all stuffed in between two fat pieces of beautiful Italian bread. So you can do it's, it's you can do sixteen of those. 16 to 20. Yeah, I mean, I would push myself. It would it would be a big time effort. So I would say- I, I could probably, probably eat take- two. I, I have eaten two. I, I, I can eat two in, in one sitting. That might be my limit there. I'm about to say 16 is ridiculous because I could, I could probably do, if we do a tequila, especially a tequila I like, and I'm walking around, I, I could probably take like 15 tequila shots. What's this thing with the walking around? Okay, you could walk back and forth. It's a little no, place. I'm so the thing is, is when you're drinking, if you sit down for a long period of time, then stand up. That's when you're wrecked. If you're walking around and and socializing and stuff, you you don't be as wrecked. There you have it, mixologist Ryan Shazier with his opinions on how much booze you should ingest while seated on your bum versus standing and walking around. And I got to tell you, I think that's a great note to go out on here for gridiron gut check hey we're gonna be because football season's over and we're gonna stop down gridiron gut check i encourage you nay demand you check out minus three in the extra points podcasts those are shows i'm on and we love to talk about football but we also love to talk about all the other sports out there including and perhaps most importantly the game of life check those out Shazier, what do you got coming up these next couple of months? Man, so w- with me, I would just say, man, I would just like, you know, everybody just to, to tune in to what I'm doing with the Ryan Shazier Fund and just l- learn more about the spinal cord community. You know, I, I started the Ryan Shazier Fund to help individuals with spinal cord injuries and their families and to allow them to have a meaningful life. So you can go to RyanShazierFund.org and just kind of see what we're doing there. And uh, I'll probably be on your TV or radio sometime soon. So, uh, but it was great talking to you all. And it was great talking to Sheck. I hate that this season's over because, you know, football is our life, Sheck. So make sure to follow, rate, and review the show on wherever you're listening. Hey, and a special thanks to everybody over there at Wondery, especially uh, the good people that we worked with week in and week out, Allison and Andrew and Dave, all the rest of you. And then uh, and then the best of uh, of this show has been the Blue Duck Gang over there, uh, helmed by, by Gabe on down, everybody there. A delight to work with. We thank you. And if you enjoyed the show, all the credits should go over there. If you didn't enjoy it, blame me and whatever 
whatever you do. Keep on supporting Shazier and Shazier. Keep on inspiring people, man. You're doing uh, you're doing beautiful stuff there. Keep it up from now for let's say the next 70 or so years um and uh and we'll keep cheering for you all along the way and like we say that's it for this episode for this run this season of gridiron gut check it's been a thin slice of heaven and thank you everyone to listening to us for the past few months Welcome to Pura, the most pristine, safe, climate-stable city on Earth. A haven amidst the wreckage. Here, you're safe from heat domes, superstorms, water bandits in the Outer Lands. There's no crime in Pura, no murder, no suicide. And best of all, there's no cost to join us in Pura. Promised to keep you safe. I killed her! You took everything! In a world that doesn't feel so safe anymore, we're waiting for you. Here, in Pure. The Last City is a new scripted audio drama from Wondery. Enjoy The Last City on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can binge all episodes of The Last City right now, ad-free, on Wondery+. Plus. Get started with your free trial at wondery.com slash plus.